Hi, it's Leon Dolan, and my new book, The Marriage Sabbatical, is out now and available everywhere. People Magazine chose it as an April pick of the month, one of the best this week, a hopeful take on commitment, they said, and an innovative story about marriage. Mmm, sounds juicy. The Marriage Sabbatical, out now, available everywhere. Hi, this is Julie. This is Liz. This is Sheila. This is Monica. This is Leanne. We are the Satellite Sisters. You are listening to Satellite Sisters to go. You are listening to Satellite Sisters. It is Tuesday, November 25th. I'm Leanne Dolan here in Pasadena, California. I am on board with my big sister, Julie Dolan, in Dallas, Texas. Hey, Jewel, we, we have a lot of holiday stuff going on on this show, don't we? We do, Lee, and it's holiday week. Um, there's a lot of activities involving families, cooking, food, shopping, you name it. Um, but I have to say, you know, I think our all of our hearts are really heavy um, this morning after witnessing what happened in Ferguson, Missouri last night. I, I, I mean, I, I just can't even... I mean, I have to first say that, you know, my heart really goes out to the Brown family. Yeah. I mean, that they have lost their son, their child, and they have, you know, really stepped up and called for peace, called for peaceful protests. I mean, they they issued a statement last night when the grand jury decided not to acquit uh, uh, or not to indict um, the, the police officer. But, uh, you know, they really have just sort of stepped up and said, please, you know, you know, peaceful protests, you know, please, in the name of our son, do that. And the poor city exploded mm, again. And mm-hmm. I don't, you know, it's just, um, I know it's on everyone's mind. You know, it, it will be part of the holiday discussion this year to, to think about, you know, how, you know, what, you know, there is the case and then there's the larger issue, right? And how, how as a country, I mean, I think the president was really great last night when he spoke and said, we have come a long way in terms of race relations, but we have farther to go. And I think that, you know, you really have to, under, you know, we all have to come to grips with that this, that this incident, you know, um, somehow opened up a great wound that we all have to address. And yeah, across despite, the country, there were tons of peaceful protests, but many people felt the need to go out and say, listen, we are, we are concerned. We are thinking about this. And you're right. The Brown family was exemplary in their behavior. Exemplary. So I mean, an all, inspiration, really. Really. Yeah. And for all of the talk, you know, everywhere, Leanne, for the last several months, and, and certainly, the, you know, it increased the intensity, all, you know, all, Everyone involved, community leaders, police, everyone, you know, trying to get at what some of the underlying issues here. It it was really sad to see that city up in flames again and so many innocent people that, you know, are victims now, too, that, you know, have their businesses ruined, Mm -hmm. their livelihoods here on a holiday week. So it is something that's in our hearts. And hopefully, you know, we can all as a country try to peacefully try to understand what happened and try to, you know, make sure that this doesn't happen again. Well said, Julie. Well said. Thank you. Yeah. Very, uh, very emotional watching those scenes last night and this morning. It was. And it's, you know, and you just, uh, you know, I hope today, you know, will be a better day for everyone in in Ferguson. And uh, and I know this this holiday, you know, as we sit down and you say grace for uh, your Thanksgiving meal, I will be thinking of that community and in particular, uh, the Brown family. 
All right. Uh, to switch gears a little bit, Julie, uh, we postponed the show 15 minutes because I had to take a meeting. <laughs> had a meeting. Had to That's take. right, Jean, because you live in Los Angeles. <laughs> and that's what people in Los Angeles do. They take meetings. I'm locking, up, I'm locking up some things, Julie. I'm locking down some dates. I'm locking up some things. So uh, I was meeting at the new hot coffee shop down the street. And um, I say that because we, we've never had a hot coffee shop down the street. What, what does that mean? Is you the, know, our is neighborhood the beverage, is the beverage is the everything beverage. about it is top notch. It's like a real, you know, a, a woman who I know opened this restaurant and it's in a neighborhood that could use sort of a, a center, a good restaurant, a community place. Uh, we need coffee. We need baked goods. She makes chocolates. It's the owner is Little Flower. They make those very famous salted caramels that they sell mm. all over the United States. But she's sort of transformed a whole city block into. She bought buildings and created a a great space for the community over here on my side of town. Well, we don't have fancy pants coffee shops. So I would say I've been going. I would go every day. If I could, I would eat all three meals a day there because (laughs) it's so good. You turn into Sheila. I I know. I I can see. Like as soon as my kids leave and I don't have to cook anymore. No, all three meals a day we're going to have at Lincoln. (laughs) And um, so I was ordering. Well, first of all, Julie, can I just say I'd like to correct you because this weekend you said I was against chocolate turkeys that that made me crazy it wasn't the chocolate turkeys that mom used to bring it was the fudge we are not fudge fans at our house so every holiday mom would bring like pounds of fudge and nobody ate it and then i'd have to throw it away and that made me feel bad so i was whole weekend long i was like i wasn't against the chocolate turkeys what what was the fudge so there I was at, at Lincoln buying. I'm glad you cleared that up, Liam, because yeah. I know a lot of people were really forming a different opinion. They were, of you, you know. Because you were anti-chocolate turkey. Yeah, okay. it Good. wasn't that. So there I was buying chocolate turkeys at Lincoln to mm-hmm. use on the table uh, and some chocolate leaves and things like that. And I see my friend Leslie, who's a Satellite Sister listener, friend Leslie that works at Caltech. I'm like, hey, Leslie. And then there's her mom, who I don't know, is a big Satellite Sisters fan. So I want to say a shout out to Sonia from Houston. She could not believe that she was running into me at the coffee shop. She had clearly just listened to the weekend show uh, because she said, you're buying chocolate turkeys? (laughs) (laughs) Because she thought you were a chocolate tree yes. eater. Okay. And unbelievably, uh, Leslie's son goes to the school where Sheila teaches. So Sonia was going to, she was going to just crash Sheila's third grade book cook uh, presentation on Grandparents Day because she had heard all about it on Satellite Sisters. So Sonia, it was a pleasure to meet you, Sonia, from Houston. Have a fantastic uh, Thanksgiving weekend. You're probably listening to this on the plane home. And I know you're leaving Monday morning because we had that conversation. (laughs) So there you go. Just wanted to do that shout out. Well, that's great. You know, Grandparents Day is now a big deal, Leanne. I mean, I don't, I am not aware when we were children growing up, whether um, schools did that, where, you know, it's grandparents or special person day. You can bring whoever you want if you you don't have grandparents around. Um, But it really is a big part of schools now. And they have a big, big event. Of course, I went to one for Alice and Benjamin uh, in Dallas. And so I went to Grandparents Day representing the family. And it it was great. Uh, You know, and I did a fine job as, uh, as the grandparent representative. Um, but I have to, my hat goes off 
to the school nurse. That is Nurse June. Okay, so Nurse June, she's in the hall, the main hall of the school, and she's wearing medical scrubs. And I've never met her before. Um, I know that both Alice and Benjamin speak very highly of, of her because they both have thrown up at various points in school <laughs> and have been in Nurse June's office and stuff. So I, I see Nurse June for the first time, and I'm like, whoa, I'm really impressed. She looks like an ER doctor, you know? I mean, she, which I thought, you know, maybe that's... I mean, really? That's, you know, because I, I didn't know if you get that many medical emergencies um, uh, at school. But I, I would wear to... scrubs all day long. If I had a medical degree, I'd wear scrubs all the time. <laughs> I want people to know I took care of people for a living. So good for her. I like the scrubs. I think they okay, look so professional. Okay, so Nurse June is in the scrubs. You know, they're like, it's, it's very busy and very exciting for the kids when the grandparents are there. You yeah. know, it's just all these strangers and there's all these special activities. And the first activity, because this is a parochial school, was was mass. So they, they cram all the grand the kids and the grandparents. They're in the church. Uh, you know, it takes, uh, it takes a long time to get everybody in there and because uh, it's it's the worst possible group of little people and old people yes it was <laughs> and so they were having a hard time moving down the aisle yeah. leaving room for the eighth grade ushers i mean people were not following directions yeah. at all leon so you know other people had come in they hadn't processed in with their grandchildren they had done it wrong yes there was a lot of commotion going on but um but then I saw that, but so I was just in one small section. I can't say what Nurse June was doing during the rest of the time, but in my small st- section, somehow a kindergarten girl in front of me just sort of spontaneously started bleeding, Leon. I don't know what it was. Wow. I, think, I don't know whether the she. The stigmata? Got, what? Uh, no, no. She, I don't know. <laughs> no. Okay. No, it wasn't that. It was, okay. It wasn't that. Okay. But I don't know what she had a nosebleed or she scratched herself or she had like had a scratch and she picked at it. But all of a sudden there was large amounts of blood like all over her uniform. Oh. Nurse, June, Nurse June was there. Okay. Again, very difficult because she's sitting in the middle of the pew, old people bleeding. You can, don't want to make any noise because it's in the middle of, of mass. So, but they, so that, that, that medical emergency Nurse June takes the child out and she's being attended to. Then probably five minutes later, I see Nurse June coming back into the church and she has some other boy who looks very pale, has taken off his sweater, his uniform sweater, and she's carrying a small bowl of water and a paper towel. I don't know. I don't know what the injury was. Some what triage. The, yeah. What the ailment was. <laughs> but Nurse June was on that. She was she was working that. And it wasn't like two minutes after that that the eighth grade usher, this lovely girl who was sitting at the end of the aisle oh, um, on our row, she totally fainted. Yeah. She went down. She went so no wonder Nurse June wears scrubs every day. You know, I mean, they are busy. And I imagine this goes on in every elementary school, middle school, high school, that the school nurse is just, 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 just nonstop. She's like an EMT. She's everything. I just, so my hat's off to Nurse June in particular, and my hat's off to all school nurses. Because you never, they never know what they're going to see. Like, oh. But they're going to see it all. That's for sure. 
Having not been to a Catholic school uh, ever in my life, uh, you know, now my sons go to one. I am surprised how many people, students, faint at mass. Like, <laughs> my, you know, once a month at a Catholic school, they have mass. Yeah. And the, the boys, every time it's mass dress, they come home and they're like, we lost three today. Like, they just go down. <laughs> yeah, they do. I don't, I don't know, what know it is. Like, their knees lock and they just boom. Or, like, it's always at weird times and they haven't eaten or, you know, a lot of times it's, um, it's super hot and the boys just faint. I, I, I did not know that about, about the, I didn't know about used to do that a lot. She only used to faint in church. Really? Yeah. But she did it just to get out of church. I'm convinced. Okay. And it became highly effective. You know, I mean, you could just, you could just sort of swoon and then boom, you're out, you're out. You don't have to sit in church. That's okay. Okay. I, I can't be certain because I'm not Nurse June, but uh, that's what I think All right. younger, my was... younger sister was doing. <laughs> but you you held up okay. You drowned. you're, you're uh-huh. sort of on the young end of the grandparents, so that's yes. good. Yes, I did, Leanne. I, li- I like to say I did a little scan of other grandparents, sort of. I mean, I have some competition. There, there's some, yeah. some good-looking, active grandparents out there, so I, I can't <laughs> rest on my laurels. Right. You know, I have to continue to push on maintain uh, you got to maintain yes, maintained and uh and uh to keep going but i had a great time with them and uh thanks to nurse june uh, you know we we survived the day well i heard from sheila that the dress rehearsal of book cook went very well uh there was only one rogue one rogue student who could not execute uh the book report so they're hoping to whip him into shape by by today. So okay, it's good. happening now. It's happening now, right now as we speak. All right. Uh, last week I mentioned, um, well, I was at the auto show. That's why we didn't do um, do the show last week. We had some stuff going on. I like to go to these press days at the auto show. I told people a little bit about it over the weekend, how people are going to start, um, your car is going to start communicating and reading your mind and calling your husband. So... <laughs> <laughs> if you missed that, you should listen to Sunday show. You're going to want to listen to that show. But Julie, I have some more material. I thought okay. I'd just go over a few of the things I've learned. It's, you know, two days of press conferences. A lot of it is about the future of the car business and the technology they're putting in cars and how that's going to affect sales and what cars are going to look like in the future. And they really get top-notch people to come. The LA Auto Show is one of the bigger auto shows in the world, and there are a lot of world debuts. And as you know, people have a lot of cars in Los Angeles and many, yes, 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 many of the car companies, uh, in fact, I I would say most, if not all of the car companies have design studios. If they, if they don't actually have full blown factories and plants and headquarters here in Los Angeles, almost all the design studios for car companies in the world are in Los Angeles. Um, so it's, and so what you have, Julie, is just First of all, you have a tremendous amount of men at this event. <laughs> it's just why it's, didn't you take Sister Sheila? Like, I have said many times, come with me. You can't believe the suits that these German guys from BMW are wearing. They're fantastic looking. <laughs> <laughs> and there is never any line in the ladies' room, and that is fantastic. Okay, so okay, there's just that's a, a good event. Yeah, people get the the executives get everyone gets very dressed up. It's not like the auto show that you go to on a Sunday with your family. This is like 
auto executives and designers and tech people and then the press. So, um, all right. So here's some of the things I learned. I thought I'd just do like a fast facts. Um, First of all, I have breaking news for Liz. I know she's concerned, but they did tell us that the cloud is in Nevada. So if that, you know, she was really and truly. Yeah. That's where it is? Yeah, that's where the server farm is. So it's in Nevada. So if you want to know where the cloud is, it's Nevada. So just relax, people. It's in Nevada. All right. Julie, just take a gander how many hours a week you spend in your car. The average driver. It's going to vary, of course, if you live in Los Angeles where you're stuck in traffic most of your life. But the average, like, American driver spends how I, long in their car? Maybe maybe 20 hours a week. 20 like? hours a week is what people spend in their cars. Okay. Very good. What do you think about that's a lot of time in your car? Like when you think about what else do I do for 20 hours a week? Well, you sleep, you know, you go to work, but like third on the list is driving around in your car. Really? That's, it's almost a full day, Liam. It is. That's that's, yes. Yes. So that's that's why, that's why people want, you know, they want what they want in their cars. And that's why auto manufacturers are trying to give them, you know, an experience in their cars. And here's something interesting. The actual quality of cars has so vastly improved. There used to be this really, they showed us an interesting chart about the big difference between, you know, the high-end cars and the low-end cars and where there were problems and the quality and stuff. It used to be a great differential between the high-end cars and the low-end cars. And now it's almost a negligible differential in terms of the actual construction of the car. Like cars are so good and so safe now and so well built, like that that's why tech is kind of the next frontier. Because they really? I mean, yes. how come we still have so many car crashes and you know and what about But G- you have car crashes that people survive. Okay. You know, okay. you have cars that easily go a hundred and, you know, a hundred, 130, 140,000 miles. You know, yeah. I mean, you yes, think about like true. car long, long, you know, longevity. longevity. Yeah. Right. I know people trade in their cars all the time, but many people are driving cars that drive fine at a hundred thousand miles, myself included. Um, so, uh, so I thought that was interesting. People want all this tech stuff. They want to be able to link all their devices. You know, they want to have this tech experience in their car, but here's something new. They don't want to pay for it. So, (laughs) you know, just like podcasts, people don't want to pay for that either. (laughs) I mean, yeah, it's all supposed to be free because it's because it's Google or yeah, yeah, Yeah. worldwide web. We're supposed to have open access to all these uh, tech enhancements in the car. So it's not like getting uh, like getting a sunroof, you know, where you would pay extra for a sunroof in a car. They don't they don't want to do that. Right. It's the expectation that it will come with the car, that that is standard on a car. It's not an option. So that makes a sales challenge. The guy from Microsoft actually used the term, we're working on the gamification of cars. So See, that just makes me so afraid. I mean, because, every, you know, every day with people with their cell phones, can't they can't do, you know, I mean, there's so many near misses and near crashes. The fact that they're going to be playing video games, is no, that what just like that the that the gamification of cars means that your experience in the car is like you're part of the whole, like the game of driving that you're, you're in it. Like you're creating an experience right in your car. Like it's a video game and you're, but I don't like video. I know. (laughs) Okay. But, okay. But I guess people do people like them. uh, Well, the goal is that the car should know your life. The car should understand you and know your life and deliver an experience based on the life you lead. 
I have a dog, Liam. That's what that my dog does. He knows my life. Okay. And he delivers an experience as a dog that uh, that is complementary of my lifestyle. Okay. okay. All right. So, uh, and then we had a futurist. I love those futurists. Yes. Those uh, so Peter Schwartz is a futurist, works across many different tech um, tech lines. But uh, he used to actually work um, on the at NASA. And he said, just to put it in perspective, there is more computing power in your smartphone than there was in the Apollo capsule. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? That mm-hmm. does. I mean, mm-hmm. that kind of gives you chills when you think about it. Like, yeah. that's how much our lives have changed in 50 years. Jeez. You know, that's we you know, like put man, men on the moon with less technology than was in our smartphone. And what would you say? the <laughs> The percentage of, of your smartphone you actually use. I use about 5%. Yeah, I, I'm lucky if, I'm at, if I make that land. Yeah. 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 I could be utilizing so much more of that. I could get to the moon if I knew how to use my smartphone. It's in there. There's an app for it, Lynn. No yeah. doubt. All right. So the ultimate goal is that, you know, we're going to be out of it and the cars are just going to be talking to each other. That's I think it. that makes sense. I think, I mean, but is that what they're really um, all driving towards? Yes, that's, that's what that, they're driving that, towards. That, they, that the human is out, you know, they're not going to be making the decision about braking or steering or speed. And it's just the car, the, just the cars will work it out amongst themselves. Yes. The, the, the term they kept, I kept hearing was, it's all depends on the intelligence of the fleet. So that is just cars talking to cars. <laughs> The intelligence of the fleet. They're going to turn think, against us, Julie. Our cars are going to come for us one day. I think so. Or what if you have a dumb car? What, if, what if you can't afford a smart car? You're out. You're, You're out. out. Well, they said that. There's two totally different. There's the emerging market, and that's one kind of car that is not a connected car. That's not this. Those are just people that need to go to a, from A to B. And then there's this big market in the middle of people that do want that. Uh, so those are both viable, like, business strategies for car companies. You could just decide to supply, you know, the the non, non-connected car to 90% of the world that just wants to get from A to B, basically. So, okay, and Lee, then, well, what, what about, um, did you see anything in terms of um, breast pumps? What were those? Uh, <laughs> oh, were those I didn't men- ask. I didn't ask. Were those mentioned I as part of it? Because we now know that people... You know, young moms, they're back at work. They're yes. still trying to nurse. Huh. Uh, are they're, they're, they're pumping milk on the road, Leanne. Uh, did you, did you, are they, were the futurists, are they working on that? Anything? You know what? I feel, I feel remiss that I didn't ask that question. When, oh. <laughs> when are we getting the breast pumps? Okay. <laughs> in, in cars. Um, and then one thing the futurist said, which I thought was very visual, he said, um, Eventually, you know, in our lifetime, perhaps, driving a car will become a quaint hobby like riding a horse. Huh. Like that's, you know, because the self-driving car is coming and we're just going to get in the back and we're going to have all the technology of, uh, imagine a well-done conference room where you have all the smart screens and you can talk to anybody in the world and every device in the room is a first-person device. That's what they kept saying. Like that's what our car is going to be like. It's going to be like a totally high-tech corporate conference room and we're just going to get in it. And if you Is actually be a refrigerator, how about like foods? Oh, they, you know, that? they didn't talk a lot about that because these were the tech people. Okay. So they did not talk about cup holders or food. 
But speaking of food, I would just like to say a few other observations. So we have this connected car expo. We hear all these experts. And then the next day we go, we actually see all the cars, which is fantastic, too. And they do the press conferences and the dramatic reveals where they have the cars covered. And then there's screens and tech. And then they pull the, you know, the cover off the new car, whatever it is. And that's very dramatic. Although I have to say, last year I went with my son, Brooks. And who knows a ton about cars. And I have to, this year, he had to go to school. <laughs> I know, because now you have a college student. I know. And he's working go. so, so hard. I can't even believe it. So I really miss not having Brooks there to tell me a lot about the cars. I, I Next year, I said, I'm not going to go without you. I, I want you to be there. It's so much more fun. But I would just say, based on the sheer number of booths serving expensive food and drink, that the car industry is in much better shape than it was five years ago. Like, honestly, everybody had an espresso bar and cookies and past hors d'oeuvres at their press conference. That was fantastic to see. <laughs> so, good. good. Well, that's a good sign. I mean, yeah. and I think I think it's the uh, the self-driving car. You know, I'm two thumbs up on that. I'm, I'm excited about that. Now, Leanne, where, did you did you see any car that you would like? Like, I mean, you you know, you've well, been driving. I, I've been keeping my eye on the the Jeep Grand Cherokee. I, I like that really? car a lot. Yeah. And we, yeah. we're going to, you know, we have a hundred year old minivan. <laughs> yes, you do. We do. That's been everywhere, done everything. Done everything. We it can't get, we can't quit it though. Cause it still works. You know, it's a 15 year old minivan. <laughs> and then my, my little station wagon has a hundred thousand miles. So we were thinking of selling both those cars and getting one car, a, a Grand mm. Cherokee. Um, so that's, I've had my eye on that car. It's a nice looking car. And I would say in general, SUVs are back. Um, a couple of years ago, you didn't see any SUVs. They certainly weren't being featured. And now there are a lot of featured cars. There are also just a huge number of really good looking hybrids now. You don't have to buy a Prius. You know, that BMW i3 hybrid is a beautiful car. Honda has a CRV. That's a super nice looking car. I thought in general, the cars look fantastic. Like Kia, you know, I, I don't know if I, Kia just has great designs overall. I love the Ford Focus and the Ford Fiesta. Those are two little cars I can yes. easily drive. I think those are great looking cars. Um, Volkswagen making a very strong statement, actually. The Golf won the car of the year, Motor Trend car of the year this year. Their booth looked great. All the Volkswagens look great. Uh, Mini has a Roadster. So if you wanted, yeah, very different looking kind of throwback to the like 1960s Italian style, you know, convertible roadster, fantastic looking. I like that. I was surprised actually, usually I don't, I'm not drawn to Mercedes, but Mercedes, the AMG line, all of those looked pretty sexy and pretty fast. <laughs> so... Ooh, gonna get yourself a fast little. Car. I may be, I may be entering the sexy fast stage of my life. I don't know. And then, um, and I have to say, just for like sheer cars that you want to touch and pet and rub up against, uh, the Maserati. I mean, holy cow, <laughs> the Maseratis are so beautiful. Mm -hmm. It's just like it's just so beautiful. Their, their cars. So those were some highlights for me of, of the cars, you know, but every car, again, every car looks good now when you, when you're driving an old car, like I am almost every new car looks good. You know what I mean? You're like, Oh my God, look, yeah, they, they are, they're good inside and out. But Leanne, it's amazing. You, you know, you have become a car girl, right? Yeah, you know? I have, I do like my cars. So, uh, so it was, it was super fun, but I always learned something. It's just in it, you know, it's a huge business in America. It's a huge business here in California. 
California. So to kind of be able to sit in and see where it's going is, is always an interesting experience for me. Good. Well, I now, and I'm so glad to know where the cloud really is. <laughs> in Nevada. Excellent reporting. Thank excellent you. reporting. Well, not unrelated to what you're talking about, Lee, and you know, I know you're shopping and this is certainly the beginning of the shopping season. I, I really, I get a, I get my stomach sort of gets <laughs> tight when, when they keep saying Friday is Black Friday and it's starting on Thursday. Oh, but um, I read a very interesting article about how to defeat the impulse buy. This is a time oh. here where people, you know, they do a lot of impulse buying. I almost did that this morning. I went to Starbucks to get a coffee. They have all their Christmas displays. Yeah. And it's right there by the cash register. Yes. And it's all these like little things that you just, you don't need and you really, you know, don't, but I wanted them. You know, I want, oh, I make little stocking stuffers or give little presents. And I was about to buy, you know, just, you know, $20 worth of nothing, you know, so I, but it's, <laughs> but I'm not alone in this, Leon. And this is exactly what marketers and retailers are trying to do. They are trying to prey on that innate human preference for rapid reward. Yeah. There's nothing like, you know, something at the end, you know, at the at cash register or, you know, where you can just, you can just, you know, buy it. Grab it. So yeah. Cute. Just, and oh, look, oh, I got it done. Yeah. And here's the problem that even if you are a shopper that can resist that stuff, they, it wears you down that they've done all kinds of research on holiday shopping. And let's say you start off at during this big Thanksgiving weekend shopping and you're not buying any of that impulse stuff. You're not, you're not sticking that extra pair of like socks in your shopping, you know, shopping bag, or you're not, you know, you're not just not buying that stuff likely you are likely to fail over time as the holiday season goes oh. on your willpower is limited you just cannot resist impulse buying oh. you're emotionally hardwired to do that you know that this is so each time you resist impulse buying you are the likelihood of a subsequent failure is much higher, Leon. Wow. So, I know, isn't that? We can't override it. It's, it's so calculated of, when you put it like that. It just takes the fun out of it. Yes, it is. It does, <laughs> I mean, and they've done their the research, they do experiments where they say to you, Leon, okay, I will give you $17 right this second, or you can wait a year and I'll give you a hundred dollars. What would you want? $17. Yes, $17. <laughs> this, that's, that's right. That's what I want. That, that's yeah. you want that rapid reward, okay? And most people do. And they found out that it, depending on your, your state, you know, your state of mind, that can influence your ability to resist uh, that rapid reward. Let's say if you're happy. And I ask you that same question, Leon. Do you want seventeen dollars now, or would you like a hundred dollars a year for now? Oh, you know, I'll wait. I'll wait for the hundred. No, you won't, Leon. You're oh. happy. You want it now? <laughs> sure. Sure. Happy people. They can't resist. Sure. Okay, Leon. Let's say you're having a bad day. You're in a bad mood. Okay. You're angry. Okay. Someone took your parking spot, and someone. And I say to you, Leon, seventeen dollars now or a hundred dollars a year from now. What do you want? Uh, I want, if I'm angry, I want it yeah. now. You yeah. want it now. You yeah. want it now. Okay. So, you know, the researchers, this is, they did this and they found that the only state of mind that really helps you resist this impulse buying is if you are in a state of gratitude. Oh, gratitude. I, th I thought you were going to say depression. <laughs> 
No. I honestly did. If no, you're just so depressed. like depressed, you can't even get out. Okay. Oh. No, 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 no. Let the... Okay. Well, I, if you're bedridden, I, I'm not sure. Yeah. I, I don't, I, there, that or was just, not. Yeah. All right. But, okay. Sorry. <laughs> okay. But if you're in the state of gratitude, let's say that you are thinking, really just counting your blessings every day, that you are really grateful for your husband, your, your children, your, you know, the sunshine in California, your lovely dog Mia and uh, her adventures, that you keep that present in your mind, then you have the ability to resist impulse buying. Oh, huh. Okay. How about that? Well, I think that's pretty, that's powerful. It I, is powerful. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you're still really, powerful. most of us really have enough stuff. And so I guess that's what they're saying. If you're just grateful for what you have, then yes. you realize I don't need any more stuff. Yes. I yes. certainly don't need a Christmas ornament shaped like a Starbucks cup. <laughs> Which is what I almost bought yesterday at Starbucks. I know. See, I mean, what okay. is that? I know. Well, it's it's because you were not in you're not in a state of gratitude, Leon. So I think that the, you know, as we enter the Thanksgiving week, that's a nice thing to think about, and it has the added benefit that it may help you resist impulse buying. Excellent, Julie. Good okay. news. Okay. okay. All right. Oh, you know, speaking of Thanksgiving, last week on Top Chef. Do you watch Top Chef? No, oh. I don't, Leon. I, I find those shows nerve-wracking. I don't <laughs> like, I like cooking to relax me. I like shows where, I like, you know, like the Pioneer, pioneer Woman. I, I, like, I like it where it's quiet and they're just cooking and relaxing. <laughs> shows where they're pitting one another against each other and they have to frost cupcakes under a time constraint. I, I hate those shows. Okay. 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 Wow. All right. Well, I enjoy Top Chef. Okay. Um, mainly, I enjoy it because the cooking, for the most part, is very good. Like, I like to see real chefs work. It's different than watching decent home chefs work or those people or cupcake or cupcake wars. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so I have enjoyed it. So this year's Top Chef, you know, they always pick a different city, and this year the Top Chef is in um, Boston. And oh, okay. so they had a Thanksgiving episode last week, and I just wanted to shout out because Bridget on our Facebook group page posted all those beautiful photos of the Ocean Spray cranberry bog, yes. right? Because she works at Ocean Spray out on Cape Cod. We met Bridget this year at our Cape Cod meetup, and she posted these fantastic photos of the blueberry harvest or the cranberry harvest cranberry right, sorry right. sorry cranberry harvest and um so where do you think top chef went three days later the chefs had to go harvest their own cranberries in the ocean spray bogs wow and, and so it was were... just like bridget's photos <laughs> so well, i i love that and then they had to cook an original a thanksgiving dinner at plymouth at the village at plymouth using oh, that's good. it was a really clever show it was really good and people made delicious food considering they were cooking over an open fire and cooking on cast iron and you know it was hot they always taped those shows so i just want to shout out to bridget she scooped top chef that was a really fun episode but then last week i had the opportunity the school my kids went to had like an alumni parents event mm -hmm. and you know normally i don't go because then i have to give money so i <laughs> You know, come on to them. <laughs> you figured that out? Yeah. That's, that's exactly out. why they have Grandparents Day, too, Liam. It I is. Okay, that yeah. is what, it's not that they're really reaching out to grandparents because no, they, they love them. No, less. Yeah, yeah, it's a mailing list situation. And that's fine. You know, that's something, that's the way the world works. So, but this event featured wine from alumni, vintners, people who happen to own vineyards, and 
one of the top chefs from a couple of years ago, Brian Husky, who was in the Seattle Top Chef, he was an alumni of the school, which I did not realize. So he was going to be doing the food at the alumni parent event. Well, that's um, pretty good. That's that he's definitely a minor celebrity. Yes, yeah. yeah. And he made it. He was almost in the. He made it to like the top four, and then he was cut, and then he was called back for the finale, and uh, and which was in Hawaii. It was really fun to see um, Brian on the show, and uh, he might have been the LA chef. That was yeah. I can't remember which season, but Brian, he was great. So I had a long time to talk to him, and he said the behind the scenes at that show is like crazy, and it's really stressful, and it does take like 13 weeks. I thought they compressed the timeline, and he stayed in touch with his friends, and so I got all caught up on the top chefs. But I only mention it because this just made me laugh. He um, he has he's working on he had just finished launching a restaurant. Uh, in the hipster part of town, uh, which he described, Julie, the concept of the restaurant was that it was burger forward. <laughs> I love burger that. forward. Yeah. Burger forward. You know, okay. basically it's, they sold burgers, you know, but it was in a nice, the nice place, you know, with not just a burger joint, but that it was gourmet hipster burgers and craft beers. It was burger forward. And yeah. I realized that, you know, my son Colin is kind of a selective eater and mm-hmm. I would say that he is burger forward now. <laughs> now I have. That's, that's all, that's all he likes. Yeah. It's just basically burgers and then occasionally other stuff, but his palate is definitely burger forward. So (laughs) if maybe you have a child like that, I stopped describing them as a picky eater. Maybe they're just, um, mac and cheese forward, you know, or grilled cheese forward, pasta forward, pasta forward. It doesn't have to be a bad thing. It would be a positive thing. Mm. And then he told me he was working on his new concept. So Brian's Korean-American. He's an L.A.-based chef. And he said he's figured out two things that Koreans like to do. They like to drink and smoke. So he's opening. He said he did his own marketing research. On yeah, that. and that's and you can't you you know you can't smoke in any restaurants in L.A. in many cities. So he said their next uh, restaurant is going to be totally open concept, like on top of a building so that Koreans can come and smoke. So there you go. Oh. I was like, that's genius. He goes, I know. Thank you very much. So there you go. When you say open concept, you mean like no roof. Open, so no roof. Can... No roof okay. so they so can they... smoke. Yes, it's not like, open. Not like you can see the kitchen in the restaurant. Well, it's going to be all that because there's no roof or no walls. It's just yes. basically a place to gather and drink and smoke. <laughs> Sounds like it's going to be hard to franchise in other parts of the country, Liam, uh, with, with the no roof and no walls. But, I mean, you can do that there in Southern California. Yes, you can. Yes, so there yes. There you go. little Top Chef report. Okay. All right. And um, then... Is that me? My next? Yes, you were going to talk next about a dessert. Oh, okay. Have, so have, now we're on I, to Thanksgiving menu planning, and yes. you know, dessert's not really my thing. I don't. No. I'm not a baker. Um, I, so I usually go with like you know uh, fondue. If I, but I always let people on Thanksgiving. My mother, I can melt. I can melt things. <laughs> I can. I can melt. Dessert. And you can use the skewers, stick it, yes. and you can chop it up. Yeah. Think some so, skewers. So, but if it's got flour or yeah. baking soda, you're out. I'm out. I'm out. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, 
But anyway, I've been doing this aqua aerobics class. How mm-hmm. much is that? So at noon. But it's actually kind of a hard workout. It's a deep water workout, and it's very cardio intensive. And I'm I'm in there with a bunch of my other friends. And it's kind of a funny group of women that I've known for a long time. And we all sort of met in the pool. Like, I didn't know they were doing it. And two of them are real um, – well, what my friend Sarah – Worked for Bon Appetit for 20 years. She was a recipe developer for them. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then they moved their operation to the East Coast. So now Sarah, uh, she's developing several of her own product lines and working for restaurants. She's also an expert chocolatier. So Mm -hmm. um, it's – and she just loves desserts. And I love talking to her about food because Bon Appetit was one of those magazines like that was food you wanted to eat. You know, it was was, uh, delicious food. And then one of the other women in there is um, also a recipe developer who has had several successful cookbooks. So uh, one is called Salad for Dinner, which was very popular. Um, So she also does, they're foodies, basically. So we had a sub in aqua aerobics the other day who was terrible. Uh, So we weren't working hard so we could actually talk. (laughs) I was like... So what do you guys make for Thanksgiving? You know, like I got two real cooks in the pool. I'm going to ask, you know, they were describing Jeannie was just, she does, you know, seven different kinds of pies and tarts and tatans and all those things. And Sarah was describing her meal. It was a movable feast this year because they were taking it up to their son's apartment in Santa Barbara. And then I, I was saying, well, we have pies and crumbles. She said, well, have you ever tried the churpumple? <laughs> the whole what? I was like, what? She goes, it's the dessert version of the turducken. <laughs> okay. Well, I am going to put the link on the website of the video that sort of funny comedian slash historian Charles Phoenix did like four years ago. Chur okay. Pumple. Okay, Julie, this is a three-layer cake. Okay. You just buy your box cakes, like a vanilla cake, a golden cake, and a spice cake. Okay. okay. You bake three layers, but here's the here's the turducken part. <laughs> Inside your layer of cake, you yeah. bake a pie. <laughs> so it's what? like... You, inside you, the spice layer, there's an apple pie. Inside the vanilla layer, there's a cherry pie. And in, inside the golden layer, there's a pumpkin pie. Okay. okay. <laughs> and then do you frost all you of it? You frost it. You put them together. You frost it with just like a, the whole point of this. It's like all stuff you can buy pre-made at the store. It's, it's not gourmet at all. It's like a can of cream cheese frosting. So you're going to do this, aren't you, Leah? I'm not going to do it, but it just made me laugh. And I was like, I had to email Sarah afterwards. I was like, what was the name of that thing again? And she sent me the link. She said, "Uh, being a dessert expert, I could say you could probably cook this up for about 30 bucks. (laughs) So so if you want to spend 30 bucks, (laughs) that's your pumple, Julie. It's your pumple. I'm writing it down, Leah. Yeah. I think it's... uh... It's cherry, you know, pumpkin and apple pies. Baked in three layers of cake. Chair pumple. Chair sure. pumple. <laughs> Thank, you. Thank you. So imagine if you had a turducken and a trabumple. <laughs> You're pretty much set, Leanne. You're done. You just need one, like, one thing of kale coleslaw and you're good. <laughs> Woo. Well, I think it might be worth trying. It doesn't even sound that hard to make. No, it does. That's it's a, not that's hard. It's appealing to me. Like, <laughs> You could you could buy those cakes and buy the pies. Well, you have to bake the you buy the cake mix because you have to you buy the pies as they describe it on the video. Yes, you do buy the pre made pies and then you 
and then you but you have to bake the pie into the cake layer. It's okay. just and when he on the video when Charles Phoenix cuts it and puts it on the plate, it weighs like a hundred pounds. You can, you can just hear the slice go bump. Yeah, I mean it's well, it's like that's what the turducken feels right. like. You eat that. I mean that's that's a one time thing. Yeah. It, Okay, yeah, for me. Okay, the well, Leon, it's so funny you should mention pies because I, I have, a, I have yet another exciting side. You know, this is my year of exciting sides, and I wasn't planning for anything else because I, I really had done all my research. But yesterday, again, it's Thanksgiving week. The kids are out of school, um, so I took, I took my grandchildren down to Glen Rose, Texas. Okay, this is they have something called a fossil rim there, uh, which is a big animal park where they have like cheetahs and rhinos and emus and ostriches and all kinds of antelope and deer just out in these uh, in this big um area and you drive around you can feed the animals and it's great fun and it's about it's about 70 miles south of dallas okay Uh, so it's a little field trip um, I could take uh, the two older kids, Alice and Benjamin, and have them occupied for the day. And uh, the plan was that we were also going to have um, great barbecue because this is the barbecue country right there. You know, oh, okay. And Rose, yes. And we were we had our sights set on a place called Loco Coyote Grill, which is has world's largest onion rings, Leon. Homemade oh. onions. Okay, so you know we wanted to do that, okay? But nobody told me. I mean, I, this is, I'm going on my eighth year in Texas, and nobody told me that barbecue places are closed on Monday. So this was kind of <laughs> rushing oh, when we arrived at oh. the Loco Coyote Grill, and it's a big closed. But I had a plan B, which was uh, to go to Hammond's, which is another famous barbecue place in the same area. Hmm, same story. <laughs> closed. Closed on Monday. But but no no problem. We ended up at the Big Cup Cafe in Glen Rose, Texas, which is home of the world's largest biscuit land. Okay, <laughs> who knew that all of this could happen in Glen Rose, Texas? Who knew? They're, yeah. they're only about it's a lot of large uh, food there. There's there are, and I a large food. So onion rings, you had that, then the largest biscuit, and it is huge. It was so, I was tempted to get it, but it was so big, I thought I could never possibly eat that. So, how big is it? It's, it is as big as a plate, Leanne. It's the biscuit. And then how thick? Like, as, and it's, it's, well, it's not as thick. Is it a three layer cake? Or is it, what is it like? No, but it's, it's like two inches thick. Okay. It's a big, it's the world's largest, largest biscuit. Okay, they don't just say that for nothing. No, I... It's Texas. It's a large biscuit, okay? Okay, so we're shut out of the largest onion rings. We we avoid the largest biscuit. The other thing that Glen Rose, um, Texas is known for, it has the best pie place in Texas. Best pie place. Oh. How is that possible? I don't know. Pie peddlers in Glen Rose, Texas. But they are only open Thursday uh, Thursday through Sunday. So wow, again, this is really an yeah. ill-fated trip, isn't it? <laughs> it, is. it is. I was about to start having the kids eat the animal feed uh, that we <laughs> that we bought. I mean, we were we were pretty desperate there. Remember uh, that time we went to Glen Rose and it sucked? Yeah, I can see them. You know what I mean? Okay, I am really trying to pull it out. Nana is doing her best. Okay, so I just did like in a hail mary uh, attempt. I said, 
said, okay, let's just drive by the the square in Glen Rose. Cause you know, who knows? Uh, you know, it may be open today. It is Thanksgiving week. I mean, if you were in a pie peddler, if that's your business, this, this is a pretty big week. Yeah. It's open, Liam. Oh, yeah. It's open. Okay. Nana, Nana has scored. Okay, so we are so excited. We go in. They just have the most delicious-looking pies. It's. It, it, I was very excited about it. And so I'm in there with Alice and Benjamin, a 7-year-old and a 5-year-old, and we're trying to decide on pies. And they have, you know, of course, they have pumpkin pies and pecan pies, but they have cream pies and they have buttermilk pies and they have berry pies and cherry pies and lemon pies. So, you know, and it's hard to get group consensus with <laughs> yeah. the five and seven year olds. So we came up with a two tiered decision. We bought, um, we bought a tester pie. We just felt like <laughs> good, oh, good. <laughs> between, between now and Thursday, yeah. we should just really test to make sure that this was the best pie in Texas. Cause according to Alice, she said, you know, I haven't really eaten all the pies in Texas. So how would I know? Yeah, I was like, that's a very point. good point. So we bought a cherry pie, Leanne. Just, uh, I love cherry pies. This was a really good cherry pie. Yeah. Okay. And then we asked for guidance for our second pie that we were going to bring to Thanksgiving for Thanksgiving. And we went with the all berry pie, Leanne. It's Ooh. all all the, all the berries together. You know, we've got blueberry and raspberry and blackberry. They, she said they even put a little rhubarb um, in there mm. as well. Oh, Leanne, it's going to be good. So, um, so, so no to the onion rings, no to the giant biscuit, but we did score best pies in, um, in Texas, the pie peddler in Glen Rose, uh, which is only open Thursday, <laughs> Thursday to Sunday. Okay. Yeah. And, don't, and don't bar- email Julie for, for hours. And do not go for barbecues on Monday. <laughs> I was shoot. Okay, that's it, Leon. That's I have the best pie in Texas uh, as a grand finale uh, for my Thanksgiving feast. It's exciting. That yes, is exciting. Is. I know. I'm sad. I got to make a bunch of stuff tonight. I'm I'm in good shape. I think I'm in good shape for the big day. Uh, all right, everybody. Just to know, we have posted a bunch of. Um, recipes julie posted that delicious sounding bread pudding she described the leek and artichoke one we have a group page on facebook but we also have an official satellite sisters page and that's where we post the shows every week and that's where the recipes are posted so you can join the group page but the official satellite sisters page you just have to like and you're you're on it and that will keep you in touch with us, too. So you'll see those recipes posted. Someone asked me this morning, Julie, about my gratin of four onion recipe mm, that I mentioned. Yes, so yes. I posted that from Epicurious. That was a classic from Gourmet Magazine, like 1993. I've been making it every year since. So I just posted that at the Satellite Sisters Facebook page as well. So, um, you know, just get on. If you're on Facebook, make sure you're both in the group and then on our official page as well. That would be great. Our Twitter feed is at Sat Sisters, at Sat Sisters, and I'm at Leon Dolan. Um, and that's it. All right, Julie, I will, uh, I guess I'll see you this weekend. I'm yes, actually going yes. to Dallas on Sunday, little flash trip to Dallas. So yes, far. If you'd like to swing by Glen Rose, yeah. we, we can go for onion rings, Leon. I'll only be there Monday, really. So 
right? Monday. No barbecue on Monday, Land. <laughs> yeah, as we know now. <laughs> no, so I'll see you this weekend, but not till after Thanksgiving. So have a fantastic Thanksgiving with your family, Julie. You too, Land. All okay. right, and all the best. Yeah, all the best to you. And don't forget, call your satellite system. Thank you.